the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This is the sixth part in our series on the seven churches in Revelation. In this recording, we look at the message to the church in Pergamum. The main reading is 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to read that because um, uh, this it, it ties up with what we're going to do with the third church, the third church of Revelation tonight. And uh, as we said before, every church has something different, but every church has something to say to us today. As we said, they were local, so they, they were real churches. As we look at in a moment, we'll see the, the background of, of Pergamus, Pergamum. And uh, then we, we see it's personal. We can apply this to our personal then to our church. Every church goes through different stages and different things. And of course, uh, maybe uh, when we finish them, we'll have a, have a night, uh, we'll look at maybe the prophetic edge to them. Maybe we'll just come back and see what the Lord has been speaking to us as well. Um, so uh, this is Pergamon. I want to read that to you, Pergamon, uh, Revelation 2, 12 to uh, 17, 12, 17, to the angel. The messenger, the pastor of the church in Pergamum. Remember, he was going to read this out to the church. These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live. I know where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce or deny your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have uh, people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam. Who taught, who taught Balak to entice Israel, uh, Israelites to sin by eating food, sacrificed to idols, and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He was an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Um, we don't know how this church started again, uh, like last time, we probably because uh, everyone came to Ephesus in, in, in uh, Acts 19 and spread out from that area. Uh, Ephesus is not nearly 90 miles south, this is 90 miles north of Ephesus, 15 miles in from the sea. So in one sense, um, it wasn't such a strategic city, but the Roman consul, the Roman governor lived there because uh, the history was, it was the capital in those days of Asia Minor, and the last uh, ruler, Atticus III, gave it to Rome. Obviously, he was uh, trying to carry favour, I think. Um, so, uh, from that moment on, the Roman governor, although Ephesus was the, was the really main place, because I was the port, and so was Smyrna. Um, it, so, that's where the church started. Maybe also, and if you look at read Acts 16, you read of uh, Paul coming through Mysia, which is on the border, because that's north, uh, northwest. Uh, so that's near there. So either way, there's a church there. Now, Pergamum was, again, uh, an interesting place. It, it was it split into two. It, the, there's a hill about 800,000 feet up where uh, a lot of the, the temples, we'll look at in a moment, were built, the Acropolis. But there was also a lower section where the, um, the sort of hospital temple of, um, let me read it, I, I mess his name up, um, Aslepi, Aslepius. 
Slepia, Slepias, yeah. So there's the Slepion. The Slepias was the god. We'll look at him in a minute. So that's the bit. Uh, obviously, the ruins there now. There is a, a little town there now, about 50,000, which is a town, not a city, isn't it? Uh, uh, what's that? Pergama, uh, there at the moment, which over overlooks um, Pergamum. Pergamum was, again, riddled, full of temples, idolatry, paganism. Um, we, had, we had some amazing temples. Of course, we had one temple to Dionysus, the, the god of wine and revelry. And you just, you don't even have to think what's going on there. You know, if you want a party time, you go there, but it went crazy. Where even where people got killed there, that's how it's, it, that's demonic, obviously, the demons, you open yourself up then, don't you? Uh, Athena, which was another uh, a temple that was of wisdom and strategy and warfare. Um, another one, a littler one for, for uh, Demeter, that's fruitfulness, harvest. So whatever you needed, there was a temple to go to and sacrifice. Of course, the, the main one that, that dominated the, the Acropolis was the te Temple of Zeus, which was a dramatic place. 100 odd square foot, 40, 50 foot high, dominated the landscape and you could see it from miles away. And there's no coincidence that uh, in the late, 18th, late 19th century, the Germans came there and brick by brick took it down and then re-put it together in Berlin. And it's still there today. I think the Germans want to give it. The Turks want it back. And Paulson said the Turks want it back. And the Germans are praying for them to take it back as well. Um, but it's interesting that that was finished in 1930. Mm. Just as who was taking power. Or just as who was coming through. Mr. Hitler. Yeah. Interesting. And this is what they think is the seat of Satan. It looked like a seat. It looked like a throne. And uh, we'll see, you know, in a moment what happened there and uh, what they did to the Christians there. But so that was, that was what they thought was the seat of Satan. Um, and of course, then there was the, the great temple to Caesar, um, temple to Trajan. Um, and of course, it's interesting when the Lord starts off with, I, I'm the Lord with a sword. Of course, that's what they said of, of Caesar. He, he ruled with the power of the sword. That was his authority. Of course, first straight away, he was telling the church, look, there's only one who's in charge here. Only one with the authority, and that's me. So we have this, this, this sort of up on the hill, um, but again, wealthy, beautiful. They had a, a library there, which, which they reckon was the second biggest in the world to Alexandria, with 200,000 parchments and, and literature. It was a beautiful place. They had a, a steep, um, uh, what do you call them, uh, pan, where they did the... the um, uh, Amphitheatre. that's the boy. I'm sorry, Pantheon, that's the thing. Uh, Amphitheatre. And so all, all there um, for this place, which was bustling with people. And then down at the bottom, there's this place called uh, the Asclepion, where it was, it was like a hospital come health spa, where, of course, um, I mean, Paulson said, you know, when people are wealthy, they're interested in their health, aren't they? They're really interested. And, of course, it doesn't matter how much wealth you've got if you're not healthy. And they would come there, and there were lots of things going on. There, was, um, there were warm baths and... Um, uh, you know, mud bars and all that, but also it was to the god Asclepius, which was the god of healing, and he was the serpent, serpent. And even today, we have um, in our, on our ambulances and thing, uh, you see this thing. Have you got the, the with a snake on? Some say that could be historically from uh, Moses, but who knows? But that's where it is. He was a snake, and this is what they did. If you were ill. You would, um, you would go there, they'd give it a bit of sedative, and then you'd sleep 
in the dormitories and they was full of non-poisonous snakes. Mm -hmm. And you would hope that those snakes would, would, would uh, go over you to bring healing. No, thank you very much. I'll take my chances. But that's, that's, that's the picture. You see, of course, it, again, they, 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 that's the demonic side uh, behind it. And uh, people would come, and of course, you're desperate enough, you'll, you'll do anything. Um, so, so we have all this. That's the background. There's the idolatry. There's the paganism. It was right in your face. You couldn't get away with it. And it was really hot on sacrificing to Caesar. And, of course, once a year, you'd have to Caesar's Lord, put your incense in. If you didn't, you wouldn't get your certificate signed. You couldn't trade. And uh, as we'll see in a moment, one man paid the ultimate price. Um, but what happens is this. The devil will try and destroy the church. With Smyrna, he tried with persecution. Squeeze them. And, of course, we know that wherever persecution is, the, the church thrives. Uh, we don't understand that because we don't understand something, but it, it brings people together. It, you, you, you're desperate for God. It, it brings the power of God in. But you see, the, the, how he destroys the church is this way, a compromising church. He gets inside and brings compromise. Mm -hmm. And some of us have been in church all our lives and we've seen many people say, oh, I can, I can, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go there and be, a, and they quote it in, in religious words, I'm going to go there and be a witness. I'm thinking, wait a minute now. Be very careful. One foot in the world, one foot in the church, and I've seen many, many, many today are not in the church because they thought they could do both. And this is the warning. This is the warning that he, he comes. And of course, it's God's heart to take us out of this world. He said, you are not, you are pilgrims. You're passing through. Don't get anchored down to this world. Let's read um, right at the beginning uh, of the Bible. Leviticus 18. This is the heart of God. Leviticus 18. Right at the beginning, Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. So, you see, to Israel, he said, like, you're going into a land, and he gives them a list of things, uh, of course, the sexual relations, uh, ultimately, because we'll see that's how the Lord, uh, that's how the devil uses idolatry and morality. They go hand in hand, as we see in a minute, but Balaam. And he said, this is what, don't live like this, because it defiles it and it destroys. It defiles and it destroys. He said, I, I'm, take, I'm destroying them because of this. Because the land is filthy and the land screams up with filth. And so that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God to actually cause us to be separate. See, our greatest power and weapon is our distinction. Is the difference God makes in our life. Not the similarities. They don't want the same, do they? So in our attitude, in our speech, in our behavior, everything. God comes in and we just ready. He's taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light there's a dramatic change and of course this church because now again we won't point a finger because remember uh, if, if you know we don't have we haven't got the the pressure they had in a sense that uh, they will lose their trade they would lose their job they would lose their livelihood and that takes them doing you've got to really know you're saved then haven't you you've got to really know you're, you're with the Lord, and, but, he, but the Lord is very clear. And uh, his introduction of himself is not like 
Ephesus, I hold the stars in my hand, didn't I? And what did he say to um, uh, Smyrna? I'm the first in the life uh, who, who died and came to life. Something encouraging. I'm the Lord in control. I'm the Lord over all. No, no, no. He's coming really. See, see why he finds this, he, he knows the effect of com- compromise. And he comes very, very clearly and seriously. And he's, he's catching it. He's, I'm the one with a sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's powerful, isn't it? And, and they had straight away taken aback. And as we, we said before, the sword, different types of sword. This sword was different. It was a long sword, looked um, tapered like a, like, a, like, a, like a spade, if you like, really heavy, uh, where sometimes you'd have to use two hands. Where, where a normal sword, it would be one, one battle for man, and you just stab. But this, you would swing around, and, and they say a Roman soldier could keep 50 men from him. Because it was so heavy. And as he swung, it would take your arm off because it was so heavy. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, that's the sword. He said, so we get a picture. They knew what type of sword it was. Um, a two-edged sword where the Lord uses for surgery. It's not that sword. And that's, a, that's, a, that's painful. This sword was going to come and was going to decimate and really bring judgment. Because he knows what compromise does. We've seen it. You've only been in church long enough. And you've seen people fall by the wayside. Because they thought they could have one foot here, one foot there. Go back to what they did. And God said, now you come out of it. Come out of it. And so we'll see that now. Um, uh, what God's heart is. And, we, and so, the, so he's, uh, he's very specific. He says, um, I'm come. And he said, now I know where you live. Bless the Lord. Um, I know that you are faithful. You remain true to my name, and you've not renounced my faith. Faith again, the personal pronouns, my 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 name, my faith, and I love this Antipas, my faithful witness. Oh, my Antipas, I love that. There's intimacy, isn't it? And he, what, the Lord calls me my David, isn't he? Uh, and that's the difference, isn't it? He called me David, but he's my David, and that's my Antipas. And of course, the story of Antipas, he may have been the bishop of the place. Um, uh, but uh, what we know is that he would not uh, bow the knee. He wouldn't sprinkle to Caesar the incense. He would not bow the knee. And there's also stories of him because he was he was moving. That he loved the Lord. His prayers. He, he, the, the Bible says, or the, the history says, that the demons were coming. And the demons were manifesting to uh, the priests in the temples, and they said, "You've got to get rid of this man." We, they said, "We can't come here when he's here." So they got him up, mm-hmm. and. Um, to make, to make an example of him. See, let me tell you, if you see someone down, this is how they killed him. In front of the, the temple of Zeus, there was a bronze, big bronze cow, bull. And uh, in, inside it, it was a compartment. And they, would put, they put him in there. So his face would be up towards the snout. There was holes there. So you could hear what was going on inside. Uh, they tie him up. And underneath then, they would light a fire. So that's how he died. Roasted to death. Mm. Now they say that when most people got, because all they could do was the screams, but they said they could hear him pray and praising and and uh, bless the Lord. Mm. Let me tell you, if you see someone dying like that for their faith, mm. I'm having second thoughts. So if I'm being honest, I'm saying, Lord, well, I'm certainly moving. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. But these people, they saw it, and they and, and the majority in the church had held faithful, had faith, even after seeing that. Mighty, mighty. But he said, look, there are a few. few things I've got against you. There are some amongst you. There are some amongst you who hold to the teaching of Balaam. Balaam. Well, of course, um, we have three uh, 
instances in the New Testament of Balaam, the way of Balaam, the arrow of Balaam, and of course you have the teaching of Balaam. Um, let's have a look at those, 2, two, two Peter 2, 2 Peter 2, 15, 16, the way of Balaam. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness, but he was rebuilt for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke the human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. The way of Balaam. There's is a path we can go down, and of course Balaam ultimately was looking at this word, the temporal, creed. Um, it's very interesting there, when you read that, you think, oh, well, if we read that, you'd have thought Balaam stopped. But you know what? He, he was restrained, but he wasn't finished, was he? He wasn't finished with it. He still wanted that money. He wanted Jude uh, gives us three examples of what happens in the last days and what happens at what we want to, to watch out for. Jude, uh, verse 11. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They, they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have, dis they have been destroyed by Korah's, Korah's? Korah's? Cor yeah, Korah's yeah. rebellion. So they've gone through the way of Balaam, followed him, gone down that path, and now they've gone to the error. Of course, there's three things, isn't it? Um, anger. Cain was angry, angry, wasn't he? Avarice, greed. Um, and that was the error. And it takes us away. The Bible is very clear. If you get caught up in this, will you get distracted, diverted? And it's so easy. We look at the moment. And the Bible is saying very clear, keep the distinction between you and the world. It drips in very clearly, uh, slowly and subtly. I was talking to someone the other day, and we were talking about different people in the past who, uh, you know, great ministers of God, if you like. Don't like to use those words, but we can understand what I mean. And I was saying about this person, obviously we're talking about people who have gone and died. And I was talking about one person, I said, God, he was used of the law, but because I, I can always remember he sort of drifted away. And he said, yeah, you know what? He spent his last years watching, he got addicted to soap operas. Uh, and so so easy, isn't it, to, to get caught up? And, and ultimately, in eternity, what a waste of time. What an absolute waste of time that is. And you think, all my life I had to, to know the Lord and to serve him. And he, got, and, and he, and he wasted all that time. Unbelievable. Um, and that's how subtly it can come in. Uh, it, it deceives us. Uh, the error of Cain, uh, Balaam. And of course, what did Balaam do? Balaam couldn't speak against God's people. Couldn't do that. Because... Um, it's a really, really strange story, isn't it? Because obviously he wasn't a Jew. Um, some say he wasn't a prophet, and, and I'll believe that where it is. But either way, he, he, he understood the law because he went and asked the law, didn't he? Um, but you know what? He wanted that money, mm. the average. And it, if, once it grips you, again, don't let anything grip us. We'll look at that in a moment. Um, and, and of course, he said, well, I can't. So the Bible says he taught Balak. He brought him down and said, I tell you, this is the only way we're going to sort it out. We'll, we'll destroy him from the inside out. See, the devil hasn't changed his tactics. Destroy us from the inside out. Did he do it? Well, he said, right, tell you what, send them ladies down. Send them beautiful ladies down. Get them into immorality. Get them into idolatry. Bam, we got them. And the Bible says that when ladies went down, they got up to mischief. Then they said, well, come and, come and sacrifice to our, our gods. And of course, when, when you sacrifice to our gods, you can do anything you want. You can sleep with anyone you want. And of course, Greek culture at the time, you could have a wife, you could have mistresses, 
and you could, you could go and see the prostitutes. All okay in their eyes. But when Jesus comes, he says, oh, oh no, that's not, that's not on. What a dramatic change in, in culture and thinking. And of course, immediately you, you put yourself outside of the norm. And we are swimming against the current. Don't forget that. We try and swim with the current, you're in trouble. You, you'll end up being drift away, uh, as the Bible says. So Balaam, Balaam, and, uh, and that's why we need to know the Old Testament, because obviously, it, just even in those words, Balaam's teaching, well, if you don't know what happened to Balaam, you never understand. And in that just, just example, he's telling us from the inside out. How did they destroy Israel? From the inside out. Get them to compromise, get them to mix, get them to, the word is syncretism today, where everything is valid, every, every, everything is valid, and uh, yes, you don't have to be distinct, you don't have to be separate, there's that lovely word, <coughs> separation, but the world, the world is powerful. Why? Because the prince of this world, the god of this world, is a deceiver, and he's good at it. Let's read that, what we must do. Be careful with the word. Um, James 4, verse 4. James 4, verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses do not know that friendship with the world is enmity of God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? Very clear, isn't it? Uh, that word friendship there is the, is the one word of love called philia. That means to be friend. That means to be in union with, to, to have something in common with. And uh, once you do that, the Bible says, and he's very clear, he doesn't, he doesn't mix it up. Idolatry, putting anything before the Lord, getting caught up in the world, is adultery. Spiritual adultery. That's what idolatry is. Why? Because we are... First and second commandment, put nothing before the Lord. And he says, don't, don't line up. Don't have anything in common with this world. We've got nothing in common with this world. And we shouldn't have. Nothing in common. Why? Because this is temporal. This is doomed for destruction. Mm-hmm. How about this one? This goes further. And this is really, uh, once you put yourself in line, uh, 1 John 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not not in him. For all that is in the world, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not the is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lusts of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. See now that word there is is the agape. Now, you've not just aligned yourself, you've actually chosen. Remember, agape is not a matter of emotion, it's a matter of choice. That's why God can command us to love, because it isn't how you feel. It's a choice. It's a choice. Now, you've chosen to love the world, and if you love the world, the love of the Father is nowhere near. That's a frightening verse. Oh, Lord, because I tell you what, ooh, we get, uh, what was it? We talked about it the other night. Hedonism. Oh, whatever you feel like. Materialism, gathering things, and egotism, me. And uh, very careful, very careful. Do not love these, because they, they're, and of course, Balaam was looking at this world, looking at temple, and that's why the Bible says, no, 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 you're not of this world. You're not, your pilgrims passing through. Yet we, we think we're going to be here forever, don't we? Oh, Lord, help us to keep our eyes on eternity. We're passing through very, very quickly. 
Um, mm. And, and the Bible is very, it's clear, isn't it? This is what you were, not this is what you are. Uh, Ephesians said, Ephesians 2, this is, used to be this, but now you're this way. He says to the Corinthians, you were drunkards, you were homosexuals, you were thieves. This is what you were, but now you're justified, sanctified, washed. This is what, see, there's the dramatic change. Galatians says, uh, the Lord died to set us free to deliver us to pluck us out, to rip us out, if you like, of this present evil world. And if we don't see it like that, there's no, there's no um, fear uh, for the lost and fear that we'll get, again, caught up in it. See, when we see it's present and it's evil, then we wait a minute now, wait, let's stop you now. Let's have a little look at this. I'm fearful for the people in, in it, living in it. Why? Because they get lost. And I'm fearful that I don't get, get entangled with it. What does Peter say? The you who have escaped the defilement, the foulness of the world, be careful of the contamination that you go back. You go back and get entangled once again. Be careful. And uh, how many times have we seen that? Thinking over my years. Many young people, young people. Remember, um, growing up with a bunch of young lads my age, and um, all going to camp, all getting saved. And of course, when well, we were 17, 16, 17 then, and uh, all played rugby or tried anyway. And um, of course, there always the test comes back, doesn't it? We came back and, and prayer meeting was Monday. Training, with, I mean, they don't train twice now, even. We used to train Monday and Wednesday. And um, of course, we, we, we first going back, we'd all be at the prayer meeting. And the coach would say, well, why are you coming? He said, look, we church on a Monday. We'll come training Wednesday. Like, okay, okay. But then we thought, well, we, we, we could go training first and then come to, to prayer meeting after. Um, so we did that. We were always late then, you see, because the time we got there. And our mum was pretty, uh, pretty astute. Dave, thin end of the wedge. Thin end of the wedge, Dave. Oh, man, of course you're a teenager. What are you, doing? What are you talking about, ma'am? <coughs> she was right. She was right. Because eventually, um, some stopped going Monday at all and went training. A few years down the road, where are they today? They certainly didn't play at a rugby in any stand in any way. But isn't it amazing how you get caught up? You know, nothing in one sense wrong with rugby. But if that comes before the Lord and stops you... And I, the culture's always, I, I don't like the culture behind it. That's, I would warn against that. But even so, uh, if it takes you away from the Lord, stop. Because mm -hmm. the devil will destroy from inside. Yeah. Little by little. Deal with the little foxes, isn't it? And uh, the world is, is sneakily in. Uh, the cares of the world. The, um, the, 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 what we look at, what we watch, what we listen to. All blunts us. Blunt. The devil, if he can blunt our sharpness, our, our, our ability to hear God's voice, our ability to, to be a testimony, then he doesn't mind that. And after their pagan feasts, having a bit of this, coming back to the church, oh, we can live like this and be in the church. I've heard it many times. I can carry on doing that and it never works. And that's this challenge. This is the warning that, the, that God is bringing, Jesus is bringing to the church. Be careful. Uh, because the Lord wants us, uh, when he saves us, he brings us out. Uh, Titus. Titus 2, 11 to 15. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. 
He teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly, worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, gave himself rest to, to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These are other things you shouldn't teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Titus is very clear. You come to the Lord, you say no to ungodliness. There's a dramatic change. There's, there is a, there's a grip on us that we say, Lord, help me. Keep my eyes on you. Keep my eyes on you. Help me to see everything through that. Let me give you a, um, a word to remember this. Rafts. Rafts. Yeah? Rafts. R-A-F-F-T-S. So I've got to chuck another F in there. Raft, as in a safety raft. Raft. Okay, here we are. We're, we're, we're looking at something. We're checking something. How do we check what we're to do and not to do? Raft. R-A-F. Root and fruit. Where is it from? What is it producing? Very clear. You can see what it, where is that coming from, whatever it is, and what does it produce? And that and straight away tells me that there's lots of things that I'm doing, looking at it. I know it, where it's from, right? Okay, forget that. What is it producing? Root and fruit. Next one, F, foothold. Will it produce a foothold? Mm -hmm. See, it might not produce a foothold now, but given an opportunity, the devil will have a foothold. Given a problem, given um, a, a habit, what happens then is a foothold. So when we are stressed or difficulty, what we do is of reverting to the Lord, we revert to the habit. That's why people get into alcohol and drugs. When they revert, it becomes a foothold. So that's the next F. T, my testimony. What is it telling people about the, what is it saying about my testimony? That's the bottom line. Um, and how is it affecting me as, it, as my testimony? And the last one, which we so often forget, um, as, as, he, as, as the Lord just said about Balak and Balaam, stumbling block. Dave, I can manage it. Aye. But if there's a stumbling block with someone else, you don't do it. Simple as. Because the stumbling block came there and it, 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 it went right through the, the, the play. Well, 24,000 uh, got killed in that moment. A stumbling block. That, that which causes someone else to stumble. See, that's raft, root and fruit, foothold, testimony, and a stumbling block. Apply those very clearly. See, and it stops us from, well, oh, Lord, I don't sound too bad. I don't look too bad. Remember, perfect will of God and the preferred will of God are preferred and the permitted. Sometimes two different things, isn't it? What God loves, what God prefers, Sometimes, and I don't know why I wish God wouldn't do it, sometimes he permits something. Some, sometimes we go down a, a rally, and uh, Lord, smack me before I go down that permitted. Lord, get me on your preferred way. Why? Because I want to be a test me. I, want, I don't want, because if we see this church, they didn't listen. And then, of course, what happens? Thyatira comes next, and we see a church gone far, far away, an apostate church. And when you look at it in, in the... Um, in the space of history, we see this comes in, in Constantine, where um, he, he 
says he gets saved and he, he politicizes and, and church and state comes together. And of course then people start going to church because it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna carry me favor with, with Rome and we'll see how that works out uh, as time goes by. And so what happens when you compromise, when, you, when you, you, you're both sides, and the Bible is very clear. Let's read, this is a long one, but it's very, very, very important. Ephesians 5, 1 to 15. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savour. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as becomes saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient but rather giving of thanks. Mm. For this ye know, that no warmonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Hiding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is a shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See, that, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Amen. That's very, it's very clear, isn't it? How to live. Your belief, that's your creed, conduct, belief, behaviour. There's a dramatic change. This is what you were, you know what you were, no longer. And of course, these people were drifting back, and the Nicolaitans, uh, again, we, a lot of conjecture, but this is what one man wrote about them at the time. Nicolaitans were, got involved in unrestrained indulgence, abandoned to pleasure, pleasures like goats. I don't know if goats, but that's what we called it, isn't it? Um, Self-indulgence. You see, going my way, doing my own thing. My way, my way. Oh, that song, my way. Dear, dear. Uh, there it is. There's the problem. There's the problem. And of course, this has invaded the church, and he said, look, if we don't deal with it, he's very clear, isn't he? Confront it, repent of it, and remove it. Because if it isn't, he said, I'll come. And then when I come, there'll be no messing about, he said. I'll come and, and I will come with a sword. And that sword that will be swinging and the word will come and it'll be authoritative. Why? Because he knew that a little leaven spreads right through. And uh, we cannot compromise one iota. Um, now we may be called this and we may be called that. But I, I, I have noticed in my life you stand for the Lord. Now, you don't be deliberately awkward. 
No, no, we never, we never called to be that. But you stand for the Lord and tell you, people will see. People will see. And we were talking the other day, we went to see Geraldine, and people used to come to the church and, and say, can you come and pray? Can you come and pray for so-and-so? Because they knew that we believed in, in the Lord. We knew where we, we stood, and we knew that we believed in prayer. See, that's where we want to be again, don't we? People know what we stand for. People know the truth. So when they come, they know where they stand. Bless the Lord. And the Lord is good, isn't he? The Lord's good. Uh, because ultimately, it's heaven or hell. Oh, look, this is the bottom line, isn't it? It's not, not oh, this is, no, it's heaven and hell. Um, so there's sanctification, salvation, but also separation. Um, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, and then into chapter, verse 1 of chapter 7. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, chapter 7, verse 1. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, or what do righteous and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Behelite? Or what does a believer have in common with un unbelievers? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temples of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separated, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates bodies and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Again, very clear. Again, of course, in the Corinthian church, there was a lot of trouble there. In the church, he said, no, he said, you make sure you sort them out. He said, no, you can't, you can't, you're not judging the world. You're living amongst them, but you're careful you don't get spotted. The Bible says be unspotted, I love that word, unstained, unstained. He said, but the people in the church, if they're living like that, you make sure you square them up and don't have anything to do with them until they get squared up, he said. And he said, separate yourself, but also don't be unequally yoked. Um, we use that, rightly so, of, of, uh, as spouses. Don't get married and say spouses. But really, again, the context is business dealings as well. And I have seen people go into business with unsaved people, and they've said to me, I wish I'd not done that. Why? Because we have different value systems, different centers, different core, different perspectives, and they, it's caused them real heartache. It really has. But I'm thinking, why didn't you listen to God's word in the first place? Again, we don't point the finger because we're easy to say. We, we can easily go down that road. But sometimes we have our, take our eyes off the Lord, we see the money of course we get caught down Balaam careful Balaam Nicolaitans be very careful he says and then uh, one foot here one foot there it never works I've never seen it work it eventually drift away from the Lord yeah. and uh, these were trying to do it they were trying to trying to be carry favor go to those temples go to those places Ugh. you get you get swallowed up swallowed up um, I remember by mistake, <laughs> I was in college uh, and we went, it was the first, uh, first week 
which is not a great week. It's called a freshers' week, where most of them go out and blow their money on the first week. And um, they were having a, a get together. Um, all the optometry students, which wasn't many of us, about hundred for three years, and they were meeting this place called Luigi's. I think it's called Luigi's. I don't. Know. It's called Luigi's. I thought, oh, I didn't know what it was. I'm a naive, and I'm from the valleys. And I'm thinking this is like an Italian restaurant. We can have a sit down, have a buffet, have a chat, and meet people. Oh, fine. I'm, I turn up and thinking, hmm. Thankfully, I, I'd, I'd taken a few girls who, who were Christians as well. And uh, we're looking around thinking, this is no restaurant. Mm-hmm. Of course, it wasn't a big nightclub, as you know, because only 100 people. It was, it was nightclub stroked it. I'm thinking, oh, I'm in the wrong place here. Mm-hmm. And of course, we were before anyone else because they'd already gone out on the lash before they got there, didn't they? So we were there, thinking, we were there on our own, we were having a little chat, and then they come in, I'm thinking, okay, we understand your log, because they, they, they come in worse for wear, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, okay, you can't stay there. Mm-hmm. However strong I thought I was, there would be something, you know, a lady would come and whatever. I said to the girls, I said, okay, we've said a law, I think we'll be, sure we, we're off, we're away, we're away, <laughs> we go in, because, you know, it doesn't matter how strong you are, in those circumstances, you've got, the Bible says, flee, get from it, because uh, you get caught up. Um, but thankfully, the Bible says then, use, use the, um, he was a year, let me, I will give those hidden manna, bless the Lord. Because uh, we know what manna is. Uh, and the Jews, this is what the Jews think, they some of their thinking that the manna in the ark was manna in the ark, wasn't it? Ark of the Covenant, and that disappeared somewhere. They're not sure how. Someone took it. Some say Jeremiah went and hid it. Some even go out to say an angel took it. I don't know about that. But what they do believe is that hidden manna will be brought back when the Messiah comes. <coughs> when the Messiah comes. And the Lord was saying, Look, I am already. Come, I'm the hidden. I, I'm the hidden manna, and we know that because John six tells us. John six forty seven fifty one. I tell you the truth: He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. The forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Bless the Lord. He is the bread of life. He's the bread of life, isn't he? He's our provision. He's the reality. He. And they were looking back to that. Oh, that we had manna. No, you don't need manna. I'm the bread of life. That manna I already sent. It's just temporal. It is not the real thing. The real thing is me. I'm the bread of life. Um, so he's saying, look, that's what I'll provide for you. And then it, we've got this interesting one, which uh, you listen to any any preacher, they'll tell you there's a myriad of things going on about this. I will give you a white stone with a new, written, new name written on it, known only to him who say, uh, to, only to him who receives it. Some say uh, you, you, give, you get given a white stone if you were pronounced innocent. Some say you were given a white stone with your name when he won uh, in, in the games, that they had games there. And so that would get you in anywhere then. That would give you, you know, uh, participation and entrance anywhere. Um, some say it, it, when they used to give invites out, it would be on a white stone with your name on it, inviting you to whatever, the feast. So mm-hmm. And um, he was saying uh, it could be any of those. It's not really the issue. Uh, 
He's saying, Lord, I'm inviting you into my kingdom. Mm-hmm. You've got a personal invite. And I love this because it's a name that only you know. Mm-hmm. Only you know. You and him know. See, that, that's how personal it is, isn't it, with the Lord. He saves the world, but he saves you. Mm-hmm. And he gives you a name. Personal, specific to you. And I love that. I love that. Porson says it's like um, when uh, two, a husband and wife have, have pet names for each other, don't they? Um, not, not, not the bad names, not the bad names, not, not you, you so-and-so, uh, uh, like Babe or, 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 or other, other, other names. But what he was saying, he said that personal, they, they were between you and the Lord, and it between you and the Lord. You overcome, you overcome, you are with the Lord. And that's a beautiful picture. And of course, that's, that's why the Lord has set these churches out. They all had specific problems which are very real, aren't they? We saw the first one, lose your f- left, left your first love. Second one, persecution. We have lot majority of the church is under persecution. We don't think that because we, but the majority of the church is under persecution today. Um, and even in this first few hundred years, they say five million were martyred. Um, of course, martyr, the, the original name, mean a, a true witness, but it became martyr after so many were dying. Five million. In that first few hundred years, you say, well, at five, five million, there were only 300 million in the world. That was the world's population then. Um, we didn't get to a billion till about 1800. We didn't get to two billion till 1927. And in this century, we've gone from two to eight billion. It's exploded, but in those days, three, 300 million. So five million is a lot of people. It's a lot of people anytime. But that's, but of course, they say now that in the 20th century, more have been martyred than in all the centuries before. So these are, these are and of course tonight, the, the compromising church, which we, we may be the Laodicean church, but I tell you, compromise is a danger. Always a danger. So the Bible says, be careful, be careful. Root it out, repent, there's the answer. Always repent, turn it around, and uh, keep your eyes on me. Faithful, bless the Lord, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.